so I just got a quick note. Uh, Consuelo Falcon um, is being put on oxygen right now. So uh, we're just going to go to the Lord in prayer again and lift her up. Lord, we just come before you and we ask for the healing of Consuelo. Lord, we pray that you would give the doctor's wisdom as how to treat her. We just pray that her body would respond positively to the treatment. God, you know all things, and Lord, we trust in you. Lord, we just pray that her body would be healed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So that last song is great, because Jesus is worthy. One of, one of my favorite songs is, Is He Worry, Worthy? by Chris Tomlin. If you've ever heard it, it's a, it's a beautiful song. It's a more it's a newer song. It's more modern, but it is a great song, but it has a specific purpose. It is to say that Jesus is worthy of glory. Jesus is worthy of praise. You see, and the Apostle Paul knew this, and the Apostle Paul wrote a good portion of the New Testament, and a lot of the letters that we have from the Apostle Paul that went out to these churches he had a great strategy in which he was able to anticipate some of these arguments that were happening in the churches and then answer them. And we, we see this very prominently when he was writing to the Romans. In Romans 6, 1 through 2, he says, Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We also see this again when he's writing to the Galatians. In Galatians 3, 21, it says, is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. You see, Paul had a very logical, keen mind. He was a very educated man, and so he was able to see these arguments as they were happening within the churches, and we see this exactly playing out, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was writing to the Corinthians you see, he anticipated an argument, an argument that was a hypothesis that, if true, would have absolutely destroyed the foundation of Christianity. This argument or hypothesis was that there is no resurrection of the dead. And so, Paul, seeing this argument, takes it up, and he, he knows that this is a cardinal difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees and the Fa Sadducees were two of the ruling religious leaders of the time. And the difference was, was the Pharisees believed in the supernatural. They believed in life after death. The Sadducees, being swayed by Greek philosophy and worldly views, came to an opposite conclusion. They simply said that there is nothing after life. It is to be that you go into an empty darkness. There is nothing supernatural after life. You see, but Paul, with his his logical mind sees that if you accept the argument or the hypothesis that there is no resurrection of the dead, well, then you have to take it to its logical conclusion. You then have to look at the implications of such. It would be to say that there is no glorious news of Christ being risen. You could not say that. That would be a false and untrustworthy saying. So, what would this do to the Christian faith if this was true? Well, it'd actually do the worst possible thing. It'd, it'd undercut Christianity. You see, and so Paul looks at this discussion, and he proposes it, and he just looks at the consequences of it. 
And that's what we're going to do today. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 10 through 20. And please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Once again, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 10 through 20. Starting in verse 10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace tore me did not prove vain, but I am labored even more than of all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins." then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. Please help me as I preach. Lord, I just pray that your word would go forward, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, that you would move amongst us, God. Or we give you the glory and the praise. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, please have a seat. So we see this very candidly. Paul is taking up this argument because if this argument is true, the implications of it is that the gospel of Christ is false. It is that Christ has not been raised from the grave. And so you see the very destructive power of this argument, and so Paul wants to take it up and take it to its logical conclusion and refute it. And today I'm going to be spending a lot of time just in one verse, and that verse is going to be 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And I'm just going to read it again, and it says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is vain. And this is my first point. So our personal faith, faith and witnessing is meaningless if Christ is not raised. So if you think about history, and you think about the great preachers who have come before us, you think about Moody here in America, you think about Spurgeon in England, you think about David Livingston in Africa, or Morrison in China, Carey in India. What must you say then about all these men? You have to say then that they were fools, that they were duped by their own egos. They spent their lives proclaiming a false doctrine in another country. If you think even more closely in modern times, Billy Graham. If you think about Billy Graham's crusades, you then have to say that they were nothing more than a waste of time and money, that he was preaching a false doctrine. You see, these terrible things are true unless the historical fact of the resurrection is true. You see, they both can't be true. Either Jesus was raised from the grave or everybody was duped by their false egos, and they taught a false doctrine. This is the logical implication of it. If you take it even further, you think about your own efforts to witness and minister to your neighbors, that it's meaningless then. 
That's foolishness. It's, it's vanity unless Christ arose from the grave. If you think about it even further, you think we have not received forgiveness for our sins because the price of redemption has not been paid. For you see, the resurrection of Christ was the one event by which God placed His approval on the atonement. See, our loved ones who have gone before us and fallen asleep in Christ have then gone into a dark, empty nothingness if you're to accept this. And Paul sees this, and this is what Paul is pointing out. This is absolutely destructive. How can you say there's no resurrection of the dead? And he even takes it a step further. We are of all people most to be pitied. You see him telling this to the believers in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most pitied. It's because he's saying if this argument is true, then your faith is in vain. Your witnessing is in vain. You know, but... But wait a moment. Here's my second point. Our faith is not in vain, right? There's no way our faith is in vain. You see, Christ is risen. The grave could not contain Him. The enemies of Christ could not prevent God's acting in power. You see, some of the people who actually helped crucify Him had even more faith in His resurrection than some of His own followers. We see this in Matthew 27, 64 where it says, command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. So you have to ask yourself, why did they do this then? What is the purpose of doing this? Do you, do you think it's so much that they're afraid of the disciples? I, I don't necessarily believe that it was because they were afraid of the disciples. Or is it more that they were afraid that Jesus was actually telling the truth? Was it, were they more afraid that Jesus was actually going to be raised from the dead? You see, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus did arise. You see, there was two scholars who were devout skeptics of Christianity. Both of them embarked on an investigation to disprove Christianity. One of them said, I'm going to investigate the conversion of Paul. The other one said, I'm going to investigate the resurrection of Christ. So for months they went out and they investigated and they studied and they diligently looked at the evidence. You know what happened? After months of honest study and investigation, they both came away Christians. You know, the, the one who, who investigated the resurrection of Jesus said this, all the evidence vindicates the claim, no doubt about it, Jesus arose. You see, the, the purpose of this message is not to prove, but to proclaim. There's other people who have proven it. Go look at the evidence. Read, read the works. There's a lot of great works out there. But remember one thing, and this is, this is really important. You are not saved by your mind, but by your heart. You see, this is the purpose, and this, is, this was a discussion in one of my classes a little while ago, is what is the purpose of, of talking about some of the, these things. It's not for an intellectual assent. It's not to say that I have 
knowledge of this or the intelligence of this, but it comes from the heart. You know, you have to accept the truth with your heart. But that means something. That means a full commitment to the resurrected Christ. You have to make a commitment. You can't simply say that, I know about God. But you have to make a full commitment with your heart to Christ. See, and this is, this is part of my last point, is do you have this burning heart? You see, Luke recorded a conversation between Jesus and the disciples after Jesus had been raised from the grave. As the disciples were on the Emmaus Road, at first they didn't recognize Jesus. You know, but later after he had revealed himself to them and then disappeared, they said to one another, and we see this in Luke 24, 32, they said, did not our heart burn within us while we talked, while he talked with us, by the way? And while he opened us to the scriptures? See, when the resurrection is accepted by faith, see, a power comes into our lives that is possible no other way. You see, it is by faith. It isn't by intellect. And this is, this is what the world misses most about everything, is that it's not about your intellect, it's about your faith. That's why Christianity is so different, it's about faith. It is this burning heart within believers that we have missionaries that go throughout the globe and preach the gospel. It is this burning heart in the, in the hearts of men and women that go witnessing to their neighbors. It is by faith that they have this burning heart. They count all things but lost for the service in God's kingdom. You see, Christianity is founded on the very fact of the resurrection of Christ. If you were to take that away, you were to take away the very foundation in which Christianity rests. See, unless He arose, we have no motivation for going out into the world. We have no motivation for witnessing to our neighbors. We have no motivation to serve God. You see, but this is the point. Jesus did arise. And if He has risen, then we do have a motivation. We do have a calling. This is why missionaries go out. This is why we witness to our neighbors, to our friends. You see, the evidence of the resurrection is irrefutable. His death on the cross was a public event known to everyone. And we see Paul talking about this when he's talking to King Agrippa. In Acts 26, 26, he said this, this thing was not done in a corner. You see, in a short time following Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, the gospel throughout, went throughout the whole known world. And what would, what, what would be the reason for that? There would be no reason for the gospel to spread throughout the known world if Christ had not risen. But that's why it did. It's because He did arise. You see, if you have this burning heart within you, you were called to witness. You were called possibly to ministry. You were called to share your faith. You know, if you have a burning heart, you can say this with this unknown author who wrote this. 
Fear not to take your place with Jesus on the throne and bid the powers of hell and earth his sovereign scepter own. Your full redemption's rights with holy boldness claim and to its utmost fullness prove the power of Jesus' name. You see, even those people who are sometimes religiously skeptical often feel a tug when a crisis draws near. You know, this is a very common thing. Thomas Huxley was a, was a skeptic for, for years. He, he didn't believe. His uh, four-year-old boy died, and when he went to the funeral, he heard a minister say a few words, and he, he wrote this to Charles Kingsley after, afterwards. And he said this, he said, As I stood beside the coffin of my little son the other day, the minister read, If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I cannot tell you how inexpressively this shocked me. Why the very apes know better. He makes a very expressively point that we are to be pitied above all men. If the resurrection of Christ did not happen, if there is no resurrection of the dead, this is the logical implications. Our faith is in vain. Witnessing is in vain. Preaching is in vain. You know? But we have the assurance of the resurrection. Jesus did arise from the grave. This is why we have a burning heart. You know, people often are skeptics of this. But until, like Thomas Huxley had in his life, when life brings crisis and death, this burning heart, this flame that is small is fanned. You know, and if we accept the fact of the resurrection and receive as personal Savior the one who arose, the flame can burst forth into a dynamic fire. And I'll, I'll start wrapping up with this. You see, this, this view <clears throat> that there is no resurrection of the dead this terrible hypothesis, this terrible argument. It's not true. This may be just a persuasion, but it's not true. It's false. You see, earth's blackest day on Calvary and earth's brightest day in the resurrection were only three days apart. An author who, who traveled in the east tells of a night in the desert, you know, there is no sign of inhabited land, only desert sand. That night a man slipped out of the camp and, and he returned the next morning with a fresh green blade of rice. During the, those three days and nights that Jesus was in the tomb, the, the land was desolate. Jesus slipped into the dark black night and brought forth the fresh green of life eternal. You see... This was no accident. God has a purpose. God acted in history. God took hold of death and death died. Christ is the first fruits of those who sleep. Because He is risen, we also will arise again with new and glorious bodies. You see, M. Ethel Anderson said this, Seek ye the Lord, search not the cold and empty tomb, 
He is not linked with night and gloom. He is not bound by death and strife. His name is light and love and life. He, li- he lives, is risen, go ye, then the living Lord in the hearts of men. Christ did rise from the grave. This is why we don't have to worry about this horrible hypothesis. We don't have to worry about the foundation of Christianity fumbling. Christ rose from the grave, and this hypothesis fell the test of experience and validity. You see, the resurrection is true. Jesus is alive. And we are told to proclaim it from the mountains because we have a motivation to. You know, perhaps you never committed your life to Christ. Perhaps you don't have that burning heart within you. Well, let me tell you, today can be the day. Like I said earlier, this isn't about an intellectual ascent. It comes from the heart. You have to mean this, that you have to be fully committed to the resurrected Christ. You can't just simply say some words. No, this comes from inside. This comes from the heart. Perhaps you've never done that before. But you'd like to today. I'm going to say a quick prayer. And if you'd like to say this prayer with me because you're accepting Christ into your life, I rejoice with you. And I'd like to talk to you after the service. Or I know Brother Jeff would love to talk to you as well. But if you want to Commit your life to Christ. Repeat after me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I need a Savior. Lord, I believe that Jesus came to this world, lived a perfect life, willingly died on the cross, and arose three days later. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Lord, I commit my life to Christ here and now, this day and the next day and all those after. Lord, thank you for coming in my life. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, perhaps you have accepted Christ. Perhaps you've had the burning heart for, for a while now. But you just simply have walked away from the faith. You'd like to recommit your life to Christ. Today would be the perfect day as well. There's no greater day than today to do that. If you'd like to recommit your life, I'll be up here at the front. Perhaps you would like to join this church body. If you feel called to join First Baptist Kyle, I'd love to talk to you about that. You can also contact the front office. Perhaps you feel a call to missions or a call to ministry in some form. Maybe you have a burning heart for that. You know, these are all things I'd, I'd love to talk to you about or, or simply you became a believer a while ago, but you've never been baptized. Well, today could be the day that we start setting that up. That's an easy phone call or an easy conversation. So as Shanna continues to to play in the background, I'll stand up here, I'll put on my mask, and uh, if anybody wants to come up here and talk to me about any of those things, or simply you just want to come up and pray, altar's open.